Hey everybody, it's Tony, your host here. Just want to invite you to head on over to tonyfletcher.substack.com and subscribe, if you will, so that you can get yourself a weekly newsletter full of news about this podcast, my other podcast, a Substack-only subscribers podcast that's launching in December 2023, and you'll get additional show notes for this episode and other episodes complete with pictures, links, and even video and music if need be. That's tonyfletcher.substack.com. And now on with the show. 99% of the people, 99.9% of the people are like some of the loveliest. And especially if you're learning their language, like they are so um, keen to talk with you. No one's going to shoot you down. Like it's, it's very welcoming, very lovely. <laughs> Good day, everybody, wherever you may be in the world, and welcome back, or indeed welcome for the first time to One Step Beyond, with me, your host, Tony Fletcher. This is a show all about positively engaging with the world outside our door, alternate tagline, take a step outside your comfort zone, which is a phrase that my guest in this episode, Claire Yandel, uses herself during the course of the conversation that follows very, very, very soon. Who is Claire Yandel? Well, she is somebody that I met at Artisumapaz in October 2021. What is Artisumapaz, you may ask? Well, if you're extremely uh, dedicated to this show, you may remember that uh, we featured it way back on episode seven of the first season series. And if you didn't listen to that or you forgot, well, just listen along. All will be explained forthwith. Uh, Ardasuma Paz is situated about three hours outside of Bogota in Colombia. And if you want to know more about Colombia, this is the right show for you to be listening to. If you want to know more about long-term travel, this is the right episode for you to be listening to. And if you want to know how some people manage to finance their long-term travel, then this is especially a good episode for you to listen to and hopefully get some ideas and inspiration from Claire. Claire is something of a force of nature. I think that's going to become apparent uh, when you listen along. I will say she's a very, very talented artist. And uh, that will also become apparent as you listen along because uh, she's been commissioned uh, or has volunteered and has uh, painted many a mural on many a wall over the course of her travels in Colombia. And that makes this a very nice episode to follow on from the previous one, which was all about the festival that takes place in my current home city of Kingston, New York, called O Positive. And O Positive exchanges the art of medicine for the medicine of art. That art comes in a variety of forms and formats, but its permanent legacy to the city of Kingston is the number of murals that are commissioned by O Positive every year. I think it was five this past October, and which have served to take a uh, the, you know, this particular city that, like any city, has had some abandoned spaces, some big walls jutting out here and there, and really beautify them and make Kingston a wonderfully visual, attractive place to walk around, bike around, drive around, and indeed to visit. So while that's a lovely segue, I also feel I need to just uh, backtrack onto that episode. If you uh, download the episodes upon release or during the first week or so of release and you're 
evidently still with us for this episode, well, thank you for bearing with us because I work really, really hard on this show and arguably too hard. I've always tried to make it uh, a little bit yeah, a cut above the rest, more than just a mere conversation. At times that has involved a sort of reportage and sometimes it's involved taking my Zoom recorder out and about with me and making a sort of mini documentary. That was the intent with the previous episode um, and in working very, very hard and running out of time, I made an error and I discovered it the next morning when I always listened back to the published show and very early on heard a good 10 seconds or more of dead air. Uh, great way to lose listeners. So thank you for sticking with us. If you were one of those listeners and uh, you're giving me another chance, you may also have listened to the show like a few days along when I corrected that error immediately and in doing so, oh my God, I feel so bad about this, uh, failed to carry over a stereo track and uh, it meant some overlapping voices. Ironically, somebody talking about their mural art for at least a minute, if not two minutes. I felt so bad when somebody finally let me know. Um, I corrected it. I was in England at the time. Uh, I know these things happen. Claire has her own story in in our conversation of doing something that uh, doesn't, uh, in, on reflection, seem uh, like uh, that smart. So I know we are all mere mortals. But I think this was, as much as I felt the need to acknowledge it and apologize for it, I actually think it was a really good reality check for me that sometimes with uh, the work I take on, I'm a writer by trade and I work in music and I've always done a lot of different creative, collaborative and communicative things. I sometimes just bite off more than I can chew. I try to do something and it's just a little more than I really have time uh, for or the finance for. This show is a hobby as most podcasts are and even some of the most professional podcasts are essentially just conversations and uh, that's what you're going to get on this particular show. It may be what you get for the majority of the time that follows. I think I'd sooner put those out and ensure I get good guests like Claire, like the others that you'll have heard so far on this series uh, rather than uh, try and but yeah, again, bite off more than I can chew and suffer the consequences. So with that, I'm going to invite you to join me as I go back to my drawing board, pick up my sketch pad and look for the easel that I never owned. You're welcome to join me as we go one step beyond. Hey, Claire, it is so good to see you again. How are you doing? Good, good. How are you? I've been doing all right. It's over a year since we saw each other, and it would have been at Artesumapaz in Cundinamarca, uh, yeah. Colombia. And yes. you, were, you were heading out uh, for a little while, and I believe coming back there again. And I thought you would make a great guest for this show because of uh, so, many, so many different facets. But I'll give you a chance to talk about some of them. I've been asking people to kind of define themselves in a sim single sentence. Can you do it? Okay. <laughs> I'll give it a whirl. Um, all right. I guess I would say I'm a relentlessly curious um, and high energy person. Um, I feel like the main thing that comes to mind is my curiosity. I'm like similar to you. I think that's what brings me to different parts of the world and 
uh, keeps me open to new people and opportunities. And it shows in my art, I think, too. Yeah, so. you know, I um, was talking to another writer last year, a writer who's probably done better than me uh, as a journalist and, and profiling people. And he said, be curious. That was his key to success. When you interview people, he said, be be curious. And so yeah. I think I think being curious about the world is a great way to understand the world but if uh i'm i'm gonna uh big you up on some of your talents then uh because you were too modest okay. to, to do that then <laughs> uh, we met we we met at other superpowers where you were one of the artists yes. in residence and you are what i would uh call genuinely an artist and we're going to talk about the art that you've been doing as you've been traveling you. i also had the the, <laughs> the the great fun of your cooking because you were the cook there oh yes <laughs> for the first week I was there before you um before you bailed on me and being that you were vegan so although Artisuma Paz is vegetarian you're vegan and all the food you made was vegan for a week and I was in love with it and yes. then and then it turned out we were the only two runners at Artisuma Paz as well yes that's true I forgot about that that no one else was running at the time either yeah so we had all those that we had all those things in common and um the other thing that that really drew me into wanting to talk to you is for some people like myself i visited columbia twice i'd like to go back i have reasons i can't travel long long term at the moment though i i did do it in 2016 and you're of a different age and you you can do it but unlike i think a few of the other people who were there you stayed in columbia and yeah uh, you you did at least for i what i gather is about 18 months i have to say though where where are we talking to each other now? I'm on the east coast of the states, but where are you right now? I'm in England, actually. At the moment. <laughs> Funny enough. <laughs> and so, what what brought you to England for a North American girl from Chicago? Um, my partner, who I met in Colombia, he's from England, and we came here because of weddings, really, um, and well, also because. I had gone to the States just for my sister's wedding. And then we had already left Columbia. So we're like, okay, let's go to more weddings, I guess. <laughs> and we went to England. And then because of visas, which um, are a whole nother story in Colombia, um, we, we had to stay at least until the new year. So that's why we're still here. Yeah. Right. And at that point, are you hoping to go back to Colombia? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's the plan. <laughs> well, I thought over this com com uh, part of the conversation, we could talk about travel and we could talk about art and how you managed to make your art um, part of your travel, because I think that's a, that that's something that's a little bit unique. Can I ask what, uh, and for a very succinct answer, but kind of what drew you to uh, uh, Colombia in the first place? Had you done a lot of traveling? If Let me check how old you are. I know how old you are because I saw your Instagram, <laughs> but you can tell listeners. <laughs> um, I'm 27. Right, which is actually yeah. a great year. If you can survive it, unlike some of the famous rock stars. Oh, God. It's, a good, it's true. <laughs> it's a really good year to be alive. <laughs> yeah, I've, it's been good so far. Just a mm. month. Yeah, what drew you? Had you done had you done a lot of traveling before we met it, at at Alasuma Pass, uh, which is Rick Dragon's place, which was featured on a very early episode of One Step Beyond. A friend of mine from the Hudson Valley went down. Uh, he made a life lifestyle change, opened up this um, center for the arts uh, after living in Bogota for a few years and wanting to open a center for the arts. 
so we met yeah. there when I got the chance to visit. So back to that question, have had you traveled extensively and what drew you to Colombia on your travels? Um, okay, well, by the way, love Rick. I'm so happy that he brought you to Artesima Paz as well. Um, but yes, I've definitely traveled a lot. Ever since I was 18, I have been living in different countries. So the first place I went was New Zealand um by myself and then from then on i just went to like australia lived in asia uh peru uh, mexico so i've kind of just been moving um since then so yeah i definitely that's what brought me to colombia originally is like falling in love with south america so right. and the language obviously <laughs> right so a lot of people like to take the, you know something like a gap year uh, which is what they call it certainly in the uk and they like to get some traveling in very few people are able to make a kind of lifestyle out of it like an actual life out of it especially by starting that that young uh it's hard <laughs> i'm sure it is but how how do you pull it off because unless you're born with literally a trust fund you know, you've got to, you've got to make it work. It's one thing to live hand to mouth for a few months and say, yeah, that was my year of backpacking. How, how do you do oh. it? Is it? You must be coming up um, one decade now. Yeah. And if, well, it takes a lot of redefining. I think your what you value. Um, because for me, I, I don't remember a time when I've ever had a lot of money in my adult life. Um, and, at the same time, I think that like once I do save up enough, then I choose to go somewhere else. And instead of I just haven't chosen to save, save, save and like stay somewhere um, because of that curiosity that I think I mentioned. So, yeah. And I think that like volunteering really helps. Like what I was doing at Arte Sumapaz, I was working for my stay and it also provided an incredible experience where I got to live with other artists. Um, so yeah, I think redefining what you, yeah, what's important to you. And, and for me, it's been seeing the world and like getting used to new cultures and yeah. <laughs> right. So, when you say yeah. about sa saving up, can I ask how you save up? And um, are there- Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Um, uh, So mainly I think I've, with art, at least I've been making most of my money with murals because um, they're I don't know if you if the audience doesn't know what a mural is. It's like a big wall painting, but generally for businesses um, or people's homes. But also I sell original paintings. I sell clothes. I make like my designs on T-shirts and sweatshirts. Um, I've recently started tattooing. So yeah, just like diversifying my creative field is, and commissions, I guess. So yeah, doing that type of work has allowed me to, to keep going. <laughs> Do you but, yeah. find that that is uh, typical of long-term travelers, people who are trying to do it semi you know, permanently, as opposed to those who are just maybe they've saved up a bit and they're backpacking, backpacking until their money runs out? um i, I don't uh, know yeah, me, I think... I, sorry i don't mean the art thing i mean the self-supporting yes. finding finding some creative thing you can do 
that allows you to keep traveling but you know finding finding yeah. being a, like an independent little entrepreneur of a kind yeah i think that the there's a huge boom of digital nomads for one like that i've met while traveling which are generally like coders or unless they have the ability to work away from an office i've also met people like that but i find that a lot of the happiest, like freest people were the people who became entrepreneurs um, with their own passion. And, and yeah, so I think I have met quite a few like that. When it's successful, it's great. <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. obviously been successful enough to keep you going. And uh, the murals, we actually just did a, an episode on the O Positive Festival in Kingston, which I had told you yes. about because I came back yeah. to it. So yeah, murals are a wonderful thing. But if you were able to start the traveling at 18, that means you probably didn't get to go off to art school and get an art degree or anything. No, so I, well, I guess I haven't been completely going, 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 because I did try art school um, after New Zealand. I tried going to the Art Institute of Chicago. Um, and I also took some courses from home and I did that for a year, but it's very expensive in the States, which I'm sure you know, because your kids mm. live there. But um, yeah, I just, even with scholarships, I was like, this is not what I want. I don't want to go into debt. Um, and it also burnt me out on art. Um, so I fell off from art, actually. And I did things like working on farms and bartending and working on wineries and doing a lot of other careers. And then I found my way back to art eventually. But yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. You, uh, at Arla Summa Paz, everybody was doing art to some extent. I was there trying to write, but I was as much a, a guest of Rick's as a, as, as a friend. And I don't think the, the writing aspect, the writing rooms hadn't been as fully established. Uh, you were the one person I, I, I saw there that was just relentlessly painting on quite a large scale. And at the end of your stay, you brought us down to the little shack you'd been staying in at the entrance, at the road entrance that just climbs like quarter of a mile off the main road yeah. <laughs> and showed us the mural that you had painted. I mean, that, that, that little place was pretty dilapidated. I know it was part of Rick's plan to, <laughs> it to do it up, but it was the first yeah. time I saw what you would, what you, what you did on a really large scale. Um, <laughs> it seems to me that what you're doing is taking a blank ca uh, a canvas, a blank wall at some of these in various towns uh, and offering to bring your artistic skills uh possi yeah. possibly as a barter but is i don't know if it's always as a barter but how many of these have you no, done like like in uh, colombia colombia alone yeah yeah how many murals have you painted as you've traveled at this point i don't know like at least 20 something i think um but that's because it's been more recent in recent years that i started doing murals but it's definitely i feel like my favorites uh favorite way because like what you said it's not always for money um I also became a part of like a collective on the north coast of Colombia with other artists and we would like have a theme and remake murals along like a, a kind of dirty part of town and like bring some color and life into it and we would work with the kids and yeah so 
it's not always for money, but um, it's definitely always like for connection. It's like a a storytelling in a way, bring you into some into your world. Obviously, I'll I'll link people to whatever you want me to link them to, and they can see the art. But somebody who's just listening now, can you? How would you describe your own uh, your your own art? Uh, uh, oh, this question always gets me. It is uh, definitely contemporary, but a blend of realism and abstract. Because I love using shapes and motion to blend reality into like in into that world of abstract so it's really quite difficult to describe um but also i would say it's surrealism i i think i like to touch on different categories because of that curious mind i just like i get bored with my own art i think like other artists might struggle with so i often try to new things but generally I do like some aspect of realism mixed with abstract shapes. So, yeah. I, th- I think a good example might be the painting that I remember from uh, the, the Kundinamaka area, where I guess Rick had taken you to, it's not far at all. It's, it's, it's just the one village up the hill and the land had been cleared to build some kind of God awful housing development. Yeah. Yes, yes. And so if I remember, you painted the beauty of the mountains that we could see, but then you sort of filled in the sky with some, I guess, some red blood sort of signifying, I guess, not to put words in your mouth, but maybe the rape of the land. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. Yeah, it was. um, Yeah. And that that like blend of symbolism, I think, like, is what what makes me more curious because just a plain landscape i don't get much emotion from um my like just to paint that i wouldn't be that excited about so to mix like um yeah a message in an abstract way into your realistic view is is enticing to me i would say (laughs) yeah so maybe we'll come back to that because i saw the one that you did with the kids uh up in uh around santa marta but yeah a lot lot of people who are listening won't know too much about colombia and what they do know may be the negatives that that are not without merit i mean colombia has had one of the roughest histories of any country in the world It's, it's just been uh appalling what people have had to had to be subjected to all of that um, said, before the pandemic, uh, you know, a peace accord had been had been signed with the guerrilla groups. Tourism was on the up. People were talking about Colombia, which often happens in countries where there's been civil war and then that civil war ends. For those who don't know the country at all, can what's the attraction? Can you can you sell it to us? What makes Colombia say? Yeah. You mentioned Peru. What makes it so? What makes it the place you spent eighteen months in and want to go back to? I would say it's very new because of that ugly history. I think it's evolving in a way that um, not a lot of countries are. Like, for example, where we're from, the States or um, England, a lot of that newness happened decades ago. And we are now like kind of in the aftermath of it. But in Colombia, it's like a rebirth is happening. uh, And there is still that danger. Like that's, that is there in every country though. 
And, but I think what drew me in was like the, the openness of the people, the passion, there's always dancing and music. And at times it can be kind of loud and annoying, but it's, there's a lot of like, yeah, passion and art as well. And I think that's what kind of kept me there. And I know, I know so many people have been falling in love with Columbia. And, and I think that I'm, I'm, I get the feeling that, that, uh, I don't really love using the word tourism, but I, I also don't like words like digital nomads. So, I mean, you know, we just got to use yeah. it. But I, <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think it is on the map for people. But when you look at a map, people tend to know that Brazil is vast, but Colombia is also vast. And in terms of a kind of biodiversity, yeah. it is enormous. I guess that you have experienced most of that biodiversity. Can you can you just elaborate a little bit on what people could expect if they went from one end of the country to another? Yeah, I mean, it, it really has everything. It has, um, it's mainly, I would say, quite uh, jungly and tropical. But then where we met, for example, in Bogota and outside Bogota, it's colder and higher altitude um but everywhere you'll get mountains on the north coast where i lived um after leaving you i lived there for like almost a year uh that is super tropical on the caribbean coast and there's jungle there's the high sierras there which have snow-capped peaks um it's one of the most unique places and then you have in the south there's a desert um but not much desert. Um, yeah, but at the same time, and there's the Amazon in the east. Uh, so really, you get a huge diversity. And I think what's consistent is the rolling hills, the Andes, the, the climate like that. Like That's why it's so unique as well, because you get microclimates within every little valley. Um, but I would say I still, like, even though I spent a year and a half there and i'm planning to go back i still haven't seen even half of it i would say like i mean i have to a tourist's um mindset but in my mind there's so much more to see and i could spend like a lifetime exploring it so yes it is vast <laughs> yeah and and one of those countries that goes from having a large coast uh, it's got both an atlantic and a pacific coast there uh, yeah it's 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 kind of got a caribbean coast is it's uh, i guess it's atlantic one and and yet where we met you know, when you go up to bogota you're you're in one of the higher capital cities in the world and yeah uh, yeah you know the andes obviously reach reach way way up and then you've got all the variation that comes in between but that said i've only i say i've only been there twice i realize that's more than a lot of people but i've only been to bogota and and out to artesuma paths uh, how easy is it to travel around Colombia and how, how did you choose to travel? And, and then especially how easy is it or dangerous or not for a solo female traveler? Um, I, I found it very easy, actually, and very affordable. But I will warn people that if they take the buses, which I did take a lot, um, they take a long time and they take probably 10 hours longer than they say they will. <laughs> um, so you just got to be prepared for that patience, but it also is really cheap to fly from city to city. Um, kind of like Europe in a way, like it's 
or how it used to be at least. Um, but yeah, it's quite cheap to fly within the country. And as a solo female traveler, I would say that for the most part, I, um, I was fine, but I think that's because like, I have a, um, I know what situations, like, I, I think I can identify situations a lot of times before falling into them. But I did have some instances where, uh, yeah, like some, some bad stuff happened, but unfortunately that's the fate of a lot of women. Um, but yeah, for the most part, you're fine. <laughs> so I don't think you should be scared to go there. <laughs> yeah. Given the history of violence in Colombia, which again, we, we can't gloss over, uh, the, the people that I've met are incredibly friendly. Do, mm. And I, I think it's important to establish that the, a lot of people get caught up in violence and violence begets violence. Uh, you know, if you've got a guerrilla group, you might have a violent uh, army. If you have a violent army, it might produce a guerrilla group. If, uh, if there's a demand for, for drugs, especially a demand for drugs from the USA, you're going to get violent drug gangs. And so the, 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 yeah. these, these things come about because there's cause and effect a lot of the time. But the people are unbelievably lovely, right? Yeah, it's true. I totally agree with that. I think that I've, I've, uh, never felt like more welcomed just by strangers in any other country. So yes, there, there is that violence and that danger, but, but on the contrast, like 99% of the people, 99.9% of the people are like some of the loveliest. And especially if you're learning their language, like they are so, um, keen to talk with you. No one's going to shoot you down. Like it's, it's very welcoming, very lovely. <laughs> what are some of the places you would say you should try and visit? Uh, and, and thinking a little bit, I don't know if there is a normal tourism for Colombia. I don't think it's been established. So, so what, what would you say to people are the real, um, physical attractions, the environmental attractions for, a for somebody traveling? Yeah, I think I think it's common to go to the major cities. Uh, a lot of people will go to Bogota, they'll go to Medellin, and then they'll usually go to Cartagena or maybe Cali. Um, but yeah, they'll hit a lot of the major cities and then leave. And I think that there is so much in um, so much richness in going to a tiny town like Pandi near mm -hmm. like Artesuma Paz, which we both would walk to and going just to like a local um, restaurant or a cafe and sitting down and hanging out. And uh, I think that, yeah, it, it's, uh, there's a lot of discomfort in that because maybe you don't know Spanish. Maybe you don't know where you'll stay near a local town. So so I, I think that I would recommend um, maybe if you go to one of those cities like Bogota, Medellin, try to go to a little town like Valencia outside of Medellin I lived in. That's like an hour and a half away. I totally recommend that. Um, going outside of Bogota, you could go north uh, into Swaska. Swaska, yeah. It's like a climbing area, actually. And... Um, you could go to Santa Marta and just go up the coast to where I lived near Parque Tyrona. I lived like right near uh, Buritaca and Huachaca. So yes, there's so many, so many 
beautiful areas. You just got to like go a little bit further than you think. And a lot of them are just a bus ride away. And it's all really cheap too. It's incre- like, it's incredibly cheap. I think right now the, the dollar goes sort of four times, three to, I'd say three to four times further. And I assume it's the same for the pound as well, given that the pound is basically a dollar these days. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, it's it's it is a luxury for those of us who live in in sort of like major Western first world countries to be able to go somewhere like Colombia and be able to afford uh, a lifestyle that I mean, it seems cheap to us. It might seem actually expensive to locals at times. But um, definitely, yeah. Yeah, but on that on that note, uh, traveling outside of a major city uh i would recommend it i would say a lot of my best times traveling in 2016 with the family were just you know saying let's let's go to this little town and uh um do you generally stay in hostels have you done kind of homestays do you sometimes just get a local who says i'll put you up um i think mainly i would i would only stay in a hostel if it was like for a night or two but uh, a lot of times I was either doing an Airbnb if I had like art to work on, I would do that. And the Airbnbs in Colombia that I mainly stayed in were shared. They were like uh, a Colombian's home that they had an extra room and they were airbnb it out. So that way I got the experience of like living with other Colombian people. Maybe travelers were there as well. Uh, and then... For the most part, I enjoyed volunteering. I liked doing that. I liked, um, yeah, working for my stay for one. It like keeps it cheap, but also it's uh, usually very enriching to like be forced out of your comfort zone. Uh, like I started teaching yoga and teaching arts through a nonprofit on the North Coast that I probably would have never done had I not volunteered at this this hostel, actually. So, yeah. I think volunteering I highly recommend for for traveling. Sure. And I know sometimes volunteering can actually be a bit of a con. It's like, oh, I want to go and save the elephants in Thailand. And then you find out that you can do it for yeah. <laughs> you know, $500 a month. Are you talking more about things like where you cooked in um in RJ Sumo Paz. Yeah. 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 Like I, I think that you can definitely get taken advantage of, which is something to be wary of, but that's what reviews are great for. Um, and recommendations are great for, which I usually just went with. Um, but I think it, that's the perk of actually hostels at times is that you can meet other travelers who are maybe like, going in a direction they have recommendations but for the most part i found most of my fun times on farms in like outside of major cities like living working doing kind of mundane tasks like cooking or (laughs) picking vegetables and stuff uh taking care of animals which to a lot of people doesn't sound that glamorous but i found it to be meaningful and do, do these places do these places advertise for volunteers? Yeah, there's uh so I used mainly Workaway or Woof, which is worldwide opportunities for organic farming. Um, but in Colombia, Woof seemed to be more of a thing. So I usually use that more. Uh and yeah, you just make an account and 
search for profiles and look at the reviews and yeah you can usually find something as well like a lot of mine i would advertise as an artist and i would be looking for work as an artist in turn for my stay and they would be like yes like we want a mural or come teach art or yeah something like that <laughs> how did you so. end up for example doing you mentioned it earlier uh, that the the wall that you did in this uh, village i think is a little bit inland from santa marta on the caribbean coast uh with with the kids and i saw this lovely picture of the kids sort of uh, there were paintings you painted the actual kids who are helping you out how did you end up doing something like that and what's uh, what's the ultimate goal you know what the, what did they give you a, a directive and say you know this is what we would like to have on our on our school wall was it a school or not yeah, yeah. it was a school so it was in uh so in the sierra nevada it's actually where I was, was probably hours away from Santa Marta because you have to go to the base of the mountains and then you have to go about two hours up the mountain on a dirt bike. I was like with my painting gear and everything, just like holding on to this man. Um, and where the community is, is yeah, about two hours up in the jungle in the high Sierra. And they're like, they come down the mountain just occasionally to get food and uh, grocery shopping. But for the most part, they grow all their own food and they're very isolated. And the community is Kogis. That's the indigenous group. They speak their own language. And the reason I got connected was because of the nonprofit that I was teaching yoga and art to down the mountain. Um, Basically, I asked for funding to do this project and because I had met the kids through one of our events, I taught them yoga one day and that was their first time ever doing yoga. And I kind of fell in love with their community and their culture and they had no art up there. So I thought it was a great opportunity to go up and make a mural with them and they wanted one on their school. So I worked with them and I taught them about painting while we did it. And yeah, it was a really cool opportunity. Very cool. <laughs> I think that's a lovely, lovely way to be able to travel the world. There are obviously some people uh, would, would just view it as an opportunity to see the world and uh, being able to like leave your mark, leave a physical mark, but something that's that community based and interactive, I think is really, is really beautiful. Yeah, that's how it's felt, definitely. I right. think that's always been the goal too. Like what you said, just uh, a way to connect and and that's been my way through art. Right. What's what's the situation? You spent 18 months there. I think actually I said goodbye to you when you were going into Bogota to apply for a visa uh, oh, or yeah. go, go through a process. <laughs> so 18 months is a pretty good time. Was that just a limit on what you could do there? No, uh, the reason I left, like I mentioned, was because my sister was getting married and I was the maid of honor. So I was like, okay, I need to go to this. Um, but basically I had applied for this visa, which was a voluntary visa and Arte Sumapaz was helping me with that. Um, but I messed up on the first meeting and I forgot my passport. And so I had to reschedule. And then by that time, it was so much time had passed since my last visa expired. So I kind of thought, okay, well, I'm going to be a bit screwed over anyway. And I just kind of stayed illegally 
And I don't recommend that because, you know, it's, it's a bit stressful, but to be honest, when I left, it was like a slap on the wrist and they were like, don't do that again. But also I think because of COVID times, like I arrived during COVID still happening. And I think a lot of people had stayed longer because of COVID, you know, restrictions on going back to countries and yada, yada, yada. So yeah, I think that's that's why I got a slap on the wrist. But I think next time I go, I'll definitely have um, my visa sorted. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. The paperwork in general, my experience with South America is it hasn't been a problem to to go in and visit. Um, I don't, I don't even think I needed a visa of any kind to get into Colombia just to to visit for a couple of weeks. Uh, was your case that you were already there for a little while and you were trying to extend beyond the regular tourist visa? Yeah, sorry, that was that was why I had originally been there for three months, and then you can extend to six while you're there. Um, pretty much any foreigner from, uh, unless you're country has restrictions but definitely you can get six months but then it's pretty common knowledge that after six months you have to leave um and you can't come back until the new year so i had around when i met you had just ran up my six months i think i was on my seventh month and that's why i had that meeting scheduled but um you know, on one hand, I feel so sorry for you that you left your passport behind. And there's this, <laughs> there's this awful part of me that every time somebody else does something like that, I feel better about the times I mess up <laughs> in similar ways. Because you, you shouldn't really go to a meeting to get a visa without a passport. Forget a passport. Like, no, it was really ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Colombia, South America in general, you're, we established at the start of the show, you're vegan, I'm vegan. And, uh, I certainly ate like a, uh, uh, let's just say like royalty, uh, <laughs> at Artesuma Palace, at least while you were cooking. Uh, but I mean, just that walk down into Pandy, you get to get down to the little restaurant you're talking about and it's okay. I'll have like French fries and salad. How yep. do how do you, how do you make South America work if you're traveling as a vegetarian or vegan? Um, well, to be honest, I cooked a lot, <laughs> like for myself as well. Uh, but, but in major cities like Bogota, Medellin, Cartagena, Santa Marta, pretty much everywhere there was at least vegan, vegetarian restaurants options. But for the most part, those were quite expensive. And I recommend um, learning the words for things that you can eat and saying to people at small restaurants that you can eat those things. And for the most part, they'll make you that. Because if you tell them soy vegano or I am vegan, then they will be really, you know, threatened. They'll be like, oh, what does that mean? Is that a religion? Like, <laughs> so I think for the most part, just tell them what you can eat. Like I can eat beans, rice, mm -hmm. veggies, and they'll make you a plate. And that was my experience, at least pretty much everywhere. Right. So it is a it is a very meat uh, uh, meat hungry society. I think in in general, you know, it's just it, it's culture, it's tradition. But like you say, if you can master a few words, uh, the, you know, the the land is is beautiful farmland, and it's rich with vegetables and fruits and all exactly. kinds. Exactly. Yeah. 
all kinds of things. And uh, it gets, gets back to the friendliness of people. I think until you actually take that risk and go somewhere and get off the beaten path a bit, you don't, it's easy to be frightened by thinking, well, I won't get by on this. I won't be able to do that. But in fact, people are just generally, they want to help, don't they, when you visit somewhere? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. Another thing about Colombia, uh, those of us who are news hounds know this, but maybe a lot of people don't. They just had a monumental presidential election, didn't they? Yes. And I'm going to jump in at this point because those of you who aren't news hounds, and indeed some of you who are, may not know uh, the details of the election and why it's so important. I'm going to read just an opening paragraph from the Washington Post of June 22nd, 22. And the headline is, Can a former left-wing guerrilla salvage Colombia's peace plan? Uh, the article itself says, The June 19th election marked a pair of big firsts in Colombia's history. A new left-wing president and a black female vice president. Victories by Gustavo Petro and Francia Majes are a stunning shift in a country where the wealthy right-wing elites have held power for generations. Maybe I should just add that Colombia is just the, uh, the latest country in a wave of South American nations that have embraced uh, left-wing democracy after years of rule by autocrats, uh, sometimes dictators, uh, right-wing governments and hunters as well. And with that, back to the conversation. Were you there for that? I was, yeah. And that was quite uh, tense because a lot of the people were afraid. Actually, after in the aftermath, near where I was living, um, a lot of riots had happened. And like, for example, one night I was on my way home with my partner. We were on his motorbike home and we had to swerve around a bus that was on fire in the middle of the road. And we were just like, this is this does happen. Um, but I think that is the mix of the ugly side of of what's in Colombia. And for the most part, you know, it's there, you know, that like the paramilitary or the cartel, for example, um, is still there. But I think that it, a lot of it is like behind doors, the politics in that sense. And and as a tourist, uh, you pretty much don't get bothered because they see you as income into the country. And so that's why, again, I recommend like people from other countries who come there will not, for the most part, get messed with because because you are like you're somebody who is bringing in money and is potentially like helping the country. So. And yeah. they want to give a good impression so you can bring back more people. But where you were seeing the burning buses, et cetera, was that in opposition to Petro's victory? Um, I think that was a mixing of both. Like, I think that it was it was also the fact that there was water um, issues with water on where the coast was, also with the elections. And basically a cry for help is what I think the people were doing. Um and they thought it a good time when the election happened to like bring awareness to where we were, which is more isolated than uh, Santa Marta or, you know, a big city. So, yeah, I think it was it was basically just like a statement. And and that's what that's what happened. <laughs> I, I was walking I was walking through Rio <laughs> one day, downtown Rio, and a full-on sort of industrial uh, 
running battle happened there was just like suddenly this running battle between the police and uh, i read later you know people who were on uh essentially a union uh and and that's just sometimes that's the nature of what you see and to pretend that that stuff yeah. has, has not happened in, in england during my lifetime would just be a lie um you, you know that it would be an absolute lie there's been very very violent confrontations in 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 england in ireland in you know every country so i don't think it's uh I don't think in some ways that is entirely uncommon, but for a lot of people, the running mate, Fran uh, Francia Marquez, uh, was a big part of the story here, uh, because that's, an, that's, a, that's a woman of color who was running as the vice president. And I think that's brand new for Colombia as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think there is a lot of hope at the same time with the election, the outcome of it, um, because it shows that, uh, yeah, it gives, more of the common people of Colombia, you know, uh, opportunity or a chance for change. So I think it was, in my opinion, overall, pretty good, the outcome from the people I socialize with, at least. Uh, but at the same time, like, Colombia is a very Catholic country. It's very um, in set in its ways. And yeah, I think that it ruffled some feathers, but it's for the better um, to have that hope instilled you know, yeah, definitely. there's possibility. Yeah. Definitely. So for your next travel, are you planning on going back to Colombia or do you have that curiosity that sees you wanting to go somewhere new? Because I got the feeling that you would probably be happy to live there if you could find a way. Maybe. I'm yeah, smart. I mean, I definitely want Colombia to be uh, or I hope to continue it to be like home. But at the same time, I was thinking of going to India before Colombia. I've never been. And um, yeah, I think that that would be really great. So maybe do that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's really nice to find at least a home to like keep coming back to and to like, you know, have roots in. So and yeah. Arte Sumapaz honestly feels like a home to me, which is such a gift. I don't know about you. It feels and, home. Oh, definitely. I was com obviously completely welcomed in, and I, I, I'm going to have Rick back on the show at some point to talk about it. Now that he's been able to buy the land, and they're actually building yeah. homes, they're actually building homes there. So the, it's always the idea has always been for that to be an intentional community, and that people can actually live there. So uh, that is an option. When you were talking about having a home to come back to, you're talking about somewhere that is not England. USA you're talking about somewhere that would no. be yeah somewhere that would no, be yeah. I, else I mean I feel like though the the something that I might have to come to terms with is if the visa doesn't work then I might have to spend just six months a year in Colombia and, and spend the rest of the six maybe um making some more money in like the UK or the US that is where you can make you know because yes the making a living wage in Colombia is difficult. Um, I pretty much was scraping by for most of my time there after like savings burned because you have to change your prices. You have to change your, what you need. Um, but at the same time, uh, I think that it still feels like home. I think that that will be the home. <laughs> Yeah. That's that's beautiful. And, you know, it comes back around to what you said at the start of this, Claire, and I think it's a nice place to to wrap up for to, to, to successfully live like this. I think you have to uh, abandon the idea that every 
every year you do your taxes, you're meant to show like some gross, gross you know, yes, some gross improvement <laughs> on last year's gross figure that, yeah. you know, you have to abandon that idea that you're measured by your success is measured by material gain and it has to be measured in other ways. For sure. Yeah. Cause there's so many, um, gifts that come with the experiences of, of being outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. It's, it's very risky to, to live off of your passion, but obviously I think it's more worthwhile. <laughs> so, well, what I want to say then in, in conclusion, I will share your, um, your, your, your online presence so that people can see your art, see how you've, uh, donated some of it to the walls of, uh, of, <laughs> of various places you visited. And then also that they've got the option that I see that you sell some of what you do, and I'm sure you could ship it around the world and you are definitely an artist. Um, I don't, uh, don't question that whatsoever. And I think being able to tra travel and make art and take your paintbrushes with you is, is, and see the world is just like, what a great way, what a great way to live. So don't spend too long there in, uh, in good old rain, <laughs> rainy England and yeah. <laughs> uh, make, make sure you get back out and see more of the world. And then, uh, then we can talk again and maybe one day we'll, we'll meet back up in, uh, in either Sumer Paz or, 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 or somewhere else. I, I really would like Hope to get, so. up, get up to Santa Marta and everything I've heard about that, that coastline and getting inland a bit. I saw about the, uh, just give me the name of the creative space you stayed in up there because it sounded somewhat oh similar. yeah uh lakatia was the name of it um that was more of like a artist co-living i would say but they had a studio and uh resources for artists so yeah it's beautiful i recommend going going to the coast exploring wonderful connecting up there yeah <laughs> Wonderful. Well, good luck getting your visa back for Colombia, and I'm sure uh, you'll go somewhere else and and have similarly great adventures. But uh, I get the feeling you, you. I get the feeling your heart is already is already somewhere in that, <laughs> somewhere in Colombia. I think so too. <laughs> great. Take care. Well, I have of to see you in Artesuma Plaza again that would be yeah, great <laughs> I, I it would be wonderful if it would happen and you'd be welcome to come back and uh and uh you know bring your bring your culinary skills anytime anytime yes. i'm anywhere all right i'd be so down <laughs> okay good talking to you tony yeah. so, uh, take care bye bye claire yandel can be found primarily on instagram uh, as Claire with a A-I-R-E underscore Yandel. Apparently the name is Welsh. Um, she told me when I asked for its pronunciation uh, just about an hour before recording this. And a, I will link to anything else that I feel is relevant, including episode seven of One Step Beyond with the big interview with Rick Dragon about his plans for Artisuma Paz. And now that some of those plans have been realized, I will get him back uh, ASAP. Uh, there's another uh, former resident from that period down there when I was down there last October that I may also get on a future show. I do feel I was really blessed with the company of the younger people that were there. It was a very, very vibrant bunch. We became pretty, pretty much thick as thieves. And I've stayed in touch with everyone. Well, I follow everybody. I've stayed in touch with a couple of people more than others. I had brought my Zoom recorder down to Ardesuma Paz in the hope that I might get a documentary episode out of it. I was between season series at the time, so maybe I wasn't really focused on that. Um, 
there was this one evening where we were all sitting around the dining table. It's a communal dinner. And uh, we got to talking about why the younger people had gone off on these long-term travels. I think without exception, it was down to broken heart. <laughs> so that uh, if, if you suffered one of those and uh, are thinking, screw it, I'm going to go travel for the next year. Well, know that you're in very, very good company. And I can't be positive Claire was one of those people, but if she was, it sounds like her heart got healed along the way. So isn't that sweet too? And if your interest in Colombia was piqued by this conversation and you are an avid podcast listener, well, I've got a podcast for you. It's called Colombia Calling. It's hosted by a British journalist, expat journalist and hotelier by the name of Richard McColl. He's been running it for about 10 years now, so there are hundreds of episodes up there. The, he covers all range of topics. The most uh, One of the more recent ones, he had his uh, favorite uh, Colombian native, but also English-speaking journalist on there, talking about the challenges facing the new uh, uh, Gustavo Petro government. And this journalist said that the drug cartels at this point represent a national security threat to Colombia. So I don't mean to underplay uh, the violence that, that still persists there, uh, again, largely driven by demand for cocaine from other countries. Um, and certainly it's a very dangerous country for political journalists and for environmental activists. There are assassinations and it's really unfortunate because the vast majority of people in Colombia really just want to live in peace, as the vast majority of people do everywhere in the world. It feels like Colombia is uh, constantly taking two steps forward and an occasional step back. I do think the election is a really large leap forward and here's hoping it's not undermined in any way in the uh, the months and years to come. And I'll also give a shout out. The, uh, the podcast is done now, but uh, Will Conway hosted that excellent show Baggage Claim for a while. His short stories from his travels in South America prior to the pandemic. He recorded them really well, read them really well, paced them really well, put in music really well. And that will give you an idea of maybe some of the things you can expect if you want to go traveling in Colombia. So I'll, I'll provide links to those in the show notes. What's next on One Step Beyond? I don't think I'm going to tell you. And that may only be partly because I'm not entirely sure myself, but the show is deliberately vague with its catch line, positively engaging with the world outside our door. I like to view it as kind of like your magazine show that you listen to on you know, your favorite uh, public radio station. You're like, well, just, you know, entertain me, educate me, and I'll keep listening. So if I do that, please leave a review. I guess Apple is the place to do it. Uh, Please subscribe if you haven't already. Please tag us or follow us on social media. Just it all helps spread the word. There's a lot of these podcasts around. And uh, if you see me on the street, you know, say hello. I'll be back in your preferred podcast platform sooner than you can say uh, how many Thursdays have gone by already. And uh, I look forward to it. I hope you do too. Take care out there. Peace.